Hi, you're listening to Go See a Show, New York City's independent theater podcast. Living in 2019, you're probably way too accustomed to the style of speech featured in See You by Guillaume Corbet. Presented in its U.S. premiere and in English translation by Stephen McCarthy by the Bridge Production Group under the direction of Max Hunter. That style of speech, rapid fire, straight out of your Insta feed, is a big part of the point of the piece, I think. And while that might not sound like a likely basis for a work of theater, give it a chance. I spoke with Max about this unique, highly theatricalized show currently running at the New Ohio after a recent performance. Take a listen. Excellent. I like to start with everyone's name on the mic. So uh, we just have one guest today. Let me know who you are and what you did on the show. I am Max Hunter. I directed CU and I'm the artistic director of the Bridge Production Group. Okay, so CU, I uh, uncharacteristically like did not look up anything at all before I came. This is a, not a new work, but the first time in the U.S. and first time in English translation? So it, it, it has existed in various iterations with various titles. Uh, it was written in French and then translated into English for a dual French-English production that was in uh, Quebec and then in Europe in sort of various uh, states of production over there. So it, it had been translated to English bef- prior to this production, uh, but it sort of was very resonant in the... It had a Canadian... Quebecois sort of flair to it. So the last page of the script, Guillaume instructs sort of subsequent productions to make it live authentically in whatever space it's being done. If it's New York, it's New York. If it's Brazil, it's Brazil, whatever it is. I was about to say, yeah, there's definitely some very, uh, I heard a lot of local references. Yes. So we, I mean, I I tried to keep uh, a little bit of that sort of like, I don't want to say international flair, but there's a certain, aside from the already heightened way that the play is written, I kind of like that a lot of the names that are used as cultural capital are these sort of like um, Felicity Le, Ca- Le Cav- uh, Cavalier or something like that. I mean, I like that they're sort of European sounding because to me it sounds like something that a New Yorker would say, because, like this person is the height of coolness and sort of culture and society. And the name sounds so like flippantly European. So that delighted me. But yeah, some of the references, especially with the TV, the TV shows and the theater pieces, it was important to me that that sort of resonated All with things that we sort yeah. of jostle with, with the latest Evo Van Hove show that we've seen, or like whatever, you know, new playwright has a new developmental work somewhere. It was important to me to sort of get that color in. So that's, uh, that little aside to start this podcast essentially gets at what the play is about, sort of. Now, I don't, uh, I want to be careful because I don't want to, I guess, telegraph the play too much. Sure. I don't want to like ruin it for anybody. I want people to come see it. That's the point of the podcast. Sure, sure. So um, how do you describe the play? Like, what, what is See You? I have a tremendous difficulty describing <laughs> this play. Isn't that uh, the worst when you're like, I'm working on this thing. You should come see it. I have no clue what I'm telling you to come Well, it's, 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 can we curse on the podcast? Absolutely. That, it's shitty in terms of like from a professional standpoint, I should have an elevator pitch for the play that the company is producing. Uh, and I do. Essentially, I say it's a play about five friends, sort of how a friendship develops and sort of how the friendship evolves over three years. Now the way that we sort of examine that friendship is through the language and the vernacular of a contemporary methods of communication. So a lot of it is written in language that echoes Instagram posts and social media commentary and sort of the, the more vapid and sort of uh, not to put a judgment on it, but the play does. But it's 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 these sort of base traits in lieu of like 
personality or character. Well, it's, it's surface because it has yeah, to be. Right. And then, but what's strange and unique about the play is that you then take that surface quality of the social media post and then rapid fire, like machine gun it at us right. in the theaters. Yeah. So like, there's this weird thing going on where, um, and tell me if you, if you want me to cut this if I'm saying too much, like we're, we're watching people in meat space talk like they're in Insta. What is meat space? Uh, like the real world. Oh, uh, yeah. okay. Um, yes. Yeah, I think the rapid fire tempo is something that we really worked on because the 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 way that the the script is written with these sort of lists in lieu of honest communication, it was important to me that we get a real overload. That the, the you know I think it satirizes that sort of need to define ourselves through these third-party sort of extensions, it's easier to go, oh, I like Madonna, and you can read into that what you want, as opposed to me having to actually give you personal honesty about who I am as a human being and my likes and dislikes, right? I can just go like, well, I don't like this, I do like this, and that's who I am as a person. So I think we really played a, a lot with how those recognizable commodities can be used as, you know, in lieu of dialogue and sort of can, can um, transplant and take the place of the honest, you know, vulnerability of, of opening yourself up and sort of, you know, letting someone see you for who you are as opposed to just being like, no, no, you can get the, you can fill in the blanks and get like a gist of who I am and, and I'm okay with that. But what's sort of terrifying, I think, about the piece uh, is that there is still an arc to this piece that we can understand and, sure. and as, as, uh, you know, Part of it is the artistry of the way it was put together, of course, but um, those of us sitting in the audience recognize this style of uh, this very, again, surface presentational style of these characters as they are revealing themselves via these lists, right? Um, and that's all we really get, but then we follow the arc of this friendship and we understand it. Then again, like you say, there's a lot that we can fill in but we understand it. So we've gone from like a world of theater where like everybody is, um, you know, the fact that you were in this space together and we are all making these, uh, we're all enjoying this performance together and these words, these great classical canon pieces, these, these things like we, we all share in the, the, the catharsis together in this room. And then we've all moved into the digital space and social media and surface level everything and now we're taking it and we're moving it back into this world where again like the the, the greats uh again the, the space of the theater sure and to say it that way and yet it still works so I, I say that it's terrifying in the sense that like are we all going in that direction what does this all of this is to get to the the question that i ask on almost every podcast which is why do this now and this piece is very, it's cl very clear why we would do this now. But I w I'm hoping that my word soup that I've tossed at you is getting to something of like, can you talk to me a little bit about like what you guys as a cast, as a crew worked on to like, where, where do you want this piece to fit in our lives, the audience? So I think it's, it, it we try and approach it sort of a few different ways. Uh, to me, it's important. It was important from day one that the that the way the heightened nature of the text didn't overpower 
isn't the mission of the play. The play is not, at, in this production, I think in, in earlier you know, iterations abroad that I have no knowledge of except for YouTubing and Googling Facebook or photos of what it looked like, I think it was much more, and in speaking with the playwright last night, it was much more presentational, it was much more performance arty, it was much more five actors against a back wall just talking to an audience for an hour and a half. And what I thought was, when I read the play, what made it come alive was, yes, it's a heightened play. Yes, it's written with a very specific stylized voice. But it has to be about these five humans. It has to be about the way that they use this to communicate with one another. It's not just a, a, a word vomit uh, exploration of the way that we talk. I think it is that, but it achieves, it, it, it uses that to get to what plays have always done, which is look at how people interact with each other, right? What I think is so fascinating about this play is there is a real plot. There is a real arc and there, there are real stories that are examined. But it, instead of living in moments in real time, I think the play succeeds at just talking about memories, talking about moments that happened last night and we live in last night through the memories of last night. And then a year later, when we talk about that memory, it's changed. And there was a falsehood to the way that we said it at first, because that way we wanted it to be the fairy tale. And then a year later, we're, we're okay being like, well, it wasn't actually that great a night. And three years later, we're able to be like, no, actually, that was the worst night of my life. And I was doing all these things to make it, you know, pretend like I fit in and hide my shame and my fear and my whatever. So I think the play, you know, it, it, if Arthur Miller wrote this, we would have seen Act One would have been the the party. Act <laughs> right. Two would have been the a, a subsequent or the party. You know, if Pinter wrote it, we would the stage would have rotated. We would have seen the same thing. But again, you know, I think what Guillaume does is he looks at the same an, an event three times, but through this sort of very honest method that we all sort of communicate, which is look at my night, look at my Instagram story. I documented it for you, and it exists for twenty four hours. So look at it and look how much fun I had. Um, so that was something we played with, was getting at the honesty of these things that we all know we do and that people do. So to make it, even though the play is heightened and even though the, it's, it's, you know, it's certain moments, I think it's, it's broad and sort of speaks to sat satirize a movement. And then I think it gets to a more honest place uh, toward the end. But it was making it feel real, making it feel like we recognize the specificity of what it's like to zoom in on an iPhone screen and to scroll through a camera roll and to like something on Instagram. That specificity was very important because I think it, it lets the text then do what it wants and sort of go at you a million miles an hour because on stage we see five people that we understand. We see ourselves in them, we see a generation, a sort of movement in them and, and through that then you know, all of that aside, then it just lets us follow these five people a day of the life sort of, you know, snapshots over three years. Speaking of specificity, uh, this is an independent theater podcast and we often talk about like a little bit more uh, how you made this sure. happen. Uh, can you talk to me a little bit about the rehearsal process? Because sure. this is a lot of things to say yes. for all of these people. Yes. There's a lot of very specific movements that they have to take. Um, there's only five of them, it is rapid fire, and no one leaves stage. Right. Uh, so how, uh, th that's a challenge, that's a hell of a challenge. How'd you make it work? We, between casting and the first day of rehearsal, we had about a month. So day one, sent the actors the script and said, start learning your lines right now. 
Right, it's not like any other play where, oh, maybe it helps to rehearse it a few times, get in the bones and see, oh, when I stand here and talk to this person, Yes, there are moments of that, but I think day one, the cast arrived having a pretty good idea of just these, the significant chunks of text that they would have to sort of carry. Then when that, when, when we took the fear of memorization sort of off the plate, a little bit because they had a month to prepare, then when actual rehearsal started, uh, I mean, it was very, it was like any other rehearsal process. There was a, a real sort of, you know, I would probably come to the table with a, a semi-structure to what we want to explore, sort of like vocabulary that I thought was interesting or certain moments, how they wanted to look. But then it was very much a collaborative uh, piece because tonally the five have to be on the same page. Um, you can't have four people doing one level and someone else in their own world. So we really had to sink into what that wanted to be and we had to just sort of learn uh, each other's rhythms and tempos and pacing. Um, and then especially in the last sort of week and a half, a lot of it was me standing in the back of the theater uh, conducting, sort of being like, it has, to, it has to move faster because then we can, you know, if we, it, it's all, I think the play is very tightly structured in terms of when moments ramp up and then when sort of tension builds and then we get like a release of tension, either comedic or dramatic, but the moments build to a resolution. So a lot of that I just sort of heard, like you would listen to, you know, a score. And so a lot of it was just sort of trying to really, really cement what those moments wanted to be. So all of us knew from this moment, from this line to this line, we're ramping up, we're putting the pedal on the gas, and then it reaches a mayhem hysteria here, and then we relax into it on this line. And it was sort of, there was a, a real specificity in the text of, when we know we're starting this, when we know we're ending it, and sort of modulating that throughout various scenes. But, uh, you know, it was a real, you know, there was a lot of play involved, which was so fun. Awesome. Which was uh, a real, in a play that is very athletic and very sort of uh, endurance heavy, I think now watching these actors just like sort of relax into knowing they know it in their bones and they can sort of breathe a little bit. Um, I think it's just, I think it's a really like, just joyful sort of fun, there's a levity to the mayhem, which I think is really neat. How'd you find the piece? Christina Toff, who was the taller blonde actress in the play, saw the, a reading of the play in French in Brussels five years ago. So after we finished last season's The Blue Room, uh, we were looking at scripts and she sent me uh, a few, this was one of them, and I, it just sort of resonated. But again, looking at the script, it's a tough nut to crack. There's no stage directions, which I as a director love, that there's like a real freedom to just like, you know, take it and run with it. But we did a few readings sort of just casually, five actors in a room, just to be like, what does this sound like when you read it? Right. What, is, what is, you know, to put a voice to lists and to this sort of repeated deliberately ad nauseum sort of behavior what does that sound like and then once hearing it it was like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. i think there's a real way to sort of activate this uh and then the last but obviously crucial step was sort of bringing designers on board and saying what how do we want to curate this in a physical space and sort of what world do we want to build that lets this place sort of live authentically in in a sort of curated little salon that we've built in here and 
where does this fit into like tell me a little bit more about the the name of the company is the bridge the bridge production oh, yeah, group okay so um where does this fit into your mission and what is that mission so the mission is broadly to make theater that challenges an assumption about what theater can be and what it what it what there's an expectation of what theater is going to be and i'm really interested in sort of playing with an audience's idea of what a play, what they think something is going to be before they walk into the door. Um, I think, you know, the first few years of what we did, it was revival heavy because I really get a thrill out of going, well, some people think it's going to be this. And I think that's another design element that you can really use to an advantage in telling a specific story is to deliberately shake and challenge, you know, someone's expectation of what that is. Uh, we like to produce theater that asks something of an audience just in terms of like a mental uh, acuity and awareness we will never produce a show that an audience can kind of just like sit back for two hours um, because I, f I find as an audience member that those are boring shows those if you understand if you go oh I get what this is cool and then you sit back I think you've sort of failed as a as a theater artist because I think the joy of the medium is having bodies in a room and sort of that unspoken but very deliberate and specific communication that needs to exist the entire time. So uh, our plays, you know, we've done Shakespeare, we've done, uh, a, you know, avant-garde adaptations of Ibsen, we've done more contemporary revivals like David Hare, and this is a, you know, a new work by a very much alive playwright. Um, all of it is to speak to an audience and, and, you know, try and instill some vitality of just saying to earn the time, earn, earn an audience's time and attention and say, you've committed to spending an hour to two and a half hours with us and we're going to sort of experience something together. Um, our tagline is life's too short for boring theater. Just, I mean, that's like not a mission statement. We have a mission statement, but, <laughs> but I, I, I tend to go back to that because there's nothing worse in a, in a world where you can watch Netflix on your phone and be delighted by it, and I do that all the time, in a world where you ask someone to put the phone away and pay attention in a, in a shared space for two hours, I think that really asks something, and there's, a real, there's like a weight to that. And I think a lot of playwrights, not playwrights, a lot of production companies just don't care. There's either an expectation you know, this sort of this company was sort of found on the backs of me. I had done lots of classical theater that you would just look out into the audience and it would be a, a subscription house of people who just fell asleep halfway through because they don't care. Because the story was, oh, well, I'm going to go see this show and then I'll get brunch and then I'll go to dinner. The actual show could be anything, but it Funny was how just... that kind of fits in with the themes of see you. Right, right. But I think it's it's the challenge is to go. No, this isn't just anything else. This is a specific. Even if it's what whatever it is, I think it's saying there's room for you to be surprised. There's room for you to to challenge an expectation that you had or learn something new about what theater can do. I mean, we're we're a very design heavy company because I think aesthetics there's a real emotional narrative that I think runs parallel to any narrative that you'd find in a, in a play, in a plot. Um, I think there's a lot to be learned, especially when doing shows like Shakespeare and heightened theater like Guillaume's is if, if, if this was a foreign language or if you put it on mute, what story is being told right. in the rhythms, in the musicality of the voices, in the design elements. And all of that is deliberately 
curated to sort of drive the the you know what the what the play is is serving. So in a perfect world, those two elements coalesce and sort of activate the left brain right brain sort of thing is the idea. Um, you know, plays like See You, you don't. I understand that they're not everyone's cup of tea, <laughs> but you don't see them everywhere, right? right. This isn't. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, I was going to say something specific. This isn't just any show that you would see at a subscription house that you might love or you might hate, and then you go to the lobby, and then you get a drink, and then you check Twitter, and then you've already forgotten about the show. I am much more interested in someone having a vitriolically negative opinion to a show <laughs> and a joyously positive one. But theater that you leave and you're just like completely eh about it, the second you that lights come up, like what's the point? I would rather someone hate something because at least you felt something about yeah. it you know also i feel totally like this play specifically asks an hour and 10 minutes of your time i think that's a fine sort of bargain to make to to say yeah i'll, I'll relax my expectations of how a story needs to be told and sort of be open to letting the form be pushed and pulled in maybe some new ways and maybe there's something that resonates with me from that and if not you know, you spend an hour and 10 minutes in a very cool looking <laughs> space. But I, I've been really excited by some of the responses to the show because I do think it speaks at things that we all know exist in a way that a lot of other shows are not. So, Well, come spend 70 minutes in the dark with some strangers and uh, see what your response is, audience. Uh, the show is See You. We are at the New Ohio Theater and you run through when? September 21st. And tickets and more information can be found at bridgeproductiongroup.org. Excellent. Thank you so much for doing this, man. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Thank you, Max, for hanging out after the show to chat. You can catch See You at The New Ohio, 154 Christopher Street in Manhattan through September 21st, 2019. Head to bridgeproductiongroup.org for a link to tickets and more information. Thanks to you for listening into the podcast. If you dig it, please like it on Facebook, facebook.com slash go see a show. Follow at go see a show on Twitter and rate and or comment on the show's Apple Podcasts page. My name is Robert A.K. Gagno. You can find me on the internet at Robert Gagno, G-O-N-Y-O dot com. Until next time, go see a show. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that Thank wasn't you. too like, I just like talked for a while. So I hope that's it wasn't. what it's supposed to be. I know, but.